we're going to be looking at this morning. Okay, we've, uh, we're going to look at what we call the incarnation. It's a big word, isn't it, really? Probably the majority of people who celebrate Christmas, the truth or otherwise of what we call the incarnation, that is God, the creator of all things, uh, coming into this world as a human being is probably the, of least importance compared to uh, some of the things that people get up to at Christmas, even the nativity scenes with all the characters played out in schools and, and churches and so on. That's probably uh, furthest from their minds. But the testimony of Scripture is absolutely clear. Uh, uh, this was no ordinary birth. Or was it? Was it? an ordinary birth. I think it could quite easily have been uh, included in an event in the series uh, called The Midwife. (laughs) And um, because strictly speaking, it was a miraculous conception that was announced to Joseph and to Mary. And as far as we know, um, the actual birth was quite ordinary, albeit in perhaps unsavoury surroundings, it was an ordinary birth. And it's the truth um, of the conception of Jesus, the Son of God, in the womb of Mary, uh, a woman, that our theology is based. And it is the conception that first defines Jesus. How do we define Jesus that we know of him? It's the conception that that does that. And uh, not the fairy tale, somewhat fairy tale circumstances of, that get surrounding the story of his birth. You probably know that it's the Gospels of Matthew and Luke um, that record God's announcement to Mary and to Joseph of that conception and the subsequent birth. Let me just read those to you. In Luke, the angel said to Mary, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And then Joseph, now very confused and troubled about the pregnancy of the woman to whom he is betrothed, he has a dream, and we read in Matthew. But as he considered these things, that is, pondered what was happening here with his relationship, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. 
There's one other reference around that time um, where God announces that it is him, him's very self that is being born. It was to the shepherds, despised people in those days, lowly shepherds, and the angel says to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. In other words, a Saviour who is Yahweh. Uh, that was the, the, the way that they um, used to represent the word Yahweh would be Lord. And even though um, in his Gospel, John does not start with the birth of Jesus, um, his opening statement sets the scene for all that John will later tell us about Jesus. And unmistakably, John says, Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I like the, I mentioned it before, but I, I really love the um, um, Living Bible translation of that, or paraphrase. Before anything else existed, there was Christ with God. He has always been alive and is himself God. And then in verse 14, it's nailed. Uh, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. A definition of the incarnation is that Jesus as God was made flesh, that is, the Son of God took on a human body and nature and became both man and God. That is not to say that he was 50% God and 50% man, but 100% God and 100% man, 100% human. This is not to say that him, he didn't place certain restrictions on himself as a man whilst on earth, but he was still God. And the writer to the Hebrews tells us that while he was here on earth, even as a baby, he was sustaining all things by his mighty word. In Christ Christian history, there have been various uh, heresies that have arisen concerning the nature of Jesus, either claiming that he was just a man and not God, and that's possibly um, the most popular and, uh, these days, but also there were heresies that said he did not become fully human. And this was because there was a belief that all matter was evil and human bodies consist of matter and therefore it couldn't be possible that God would inhabit a human body which was essentially evil. So there have been these heresies. Anyway, there are some questions that I'll give to you uh, to consider. And um, these, the first three questions are really about whether we can confirm from the accounts of the life of Jesus in the Gospels the truth of the Incarnation, that he was fully God and fully man. So what, what we'll do, I'll, I'll time you and you can, I'll give you about seven minutes uh, or seven or eight minutes on each question. If you'd like to write down some, some comments and then if you're willing to tell us what you've uh, concluded afterwards, then we can share those together. Um, obviously, you haven't got a long time to go delving into the scriptures and so on. So it'll be your first impressions, just some one-liners, um, such and such, because, uh, and so on. So we'll, we'll get these out. Somebody like to give us their answer, maybe from, from this table?
no, 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 you've taken... Uh, yes, and because it's the fundamental basis for our Christianity. Without believing that in the virgin birth, there would be no basis for Christianity at all. Okay, but did you just say why? What, what, why is it, why is it, somebody like to tell us why it's important, yeah? virgin birth wasn't true then everything that Jesus said about himself was not true you know he said I am the way the truth and the life and all the different things that he said were lies so therefore our belief is based on lies okay anybody else like to add something I was going to say that Isaiah 7 says it'll be born of a virgin and so if you don't believe in I know you hear about vicars who say they don't believe in the virgin birth but then straight away you've chucked out the old testament as well as the new haven't you okay so anybody else got Comment? Sorry? <laughs> I've just put prophesied throughout the Old Testament, brought to being in the New yeah. Testament, witnessed by disciples, and Jesus himself gave testimony. Okay, anybody else? Um, Hebrew 11, 6 says, uh, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So it's basically about, like what she said, is the foundation of a Christian. You have to believe that. That's okay, but that, that hasn't actually got to the root of the issue, I don't think. <laughs> so why, why could it not have been an ordinary man, somebody conceived normally? What, some, something had to be broken. What had to be broken? Holy blood, very okay. special blood that will break the sin of mankind. Okay, so it, it, there had to be a blood, therefore that's why he had to be human, because there had to be human. But what was special, what had to be broken? Sorry? It had to be sinless. Okay, what I'm trying to get at is, um, he couldn't have been of the line of Adam. We are of the line of Adam, and a don't ask me why, but according to Scripture, that is passed down through the male. So, and uh, since he's coming into the world as a male, he could not be of the line of Adam because Adam's sin would have passed, to him, passed on to him. So he had to bypass Adam and yet still be a human being. So that, to my mind, that is the, the crucial issue of, of why it had to be a virgin conception. It had to be a conception of the Holy Spirit. That was the way God entered into the world as a perfect human being. Okay? Anybody got any more comments on that one? Right. Okay. Next question. Evidence for Jesus' humanity in his life that we know of it. Somebody like to start with that one? Somebody who didn't start before. Somebody over this... On this. <laughs> e evidence for Jesus' humanity. He was like a man, and you know, he experienced everything that what man does. He was tired, he had, yeah. to, had to rest, and things like that. Good. Yeah. 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 Um, Fine. Anybody else got anything else? Yeah. He slept. Yep. Um, did everybody get that? He, he, he ate, ate and he slept. slept. Right, okay. He got, um, well, he, had, he showed his emotions, anger, um, righteous anger, sadness, regrets, 
what was the other yeah, one? Yeah, that's fine. Enjoyment of life, showed love, yeah. valued the individuals. Good. It's interesting, isn't it? Even after his resurrection, he demonstrated to his disciples that he was still human. Uh, he showed his hands and feet, he, he ate with them. And when he ascended into heaven, he took a body with him. And the wonderful thing is, that's the way he'll return, with a physical body. Okay, anybody got any other evidence for his um, humanity? He sweated blood in the garden. Yep, he shed blood and he sweated blood, yes. Okay, for his divinity, possibly not so easy as finding evidence for his humanity, but somebody like to start off with divinity? Right, Barbara? Yeah. Sorry? He died and was raised again. Okay, yeah. Raised to life again, very good. Right, so... Je Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am, and he said it. So what's significant um, in the term I am? What? I was there. Yeah, okay. It was the way that God revealed himself in the Old Testament. I am who I am. And Jesus used it in a way. And um, one could say, well, um, does that mean very much just to say I am? But in fact, the Pharisees, Strides and Pharisees, recognised what Jesus was saying. They got incensed about it. So he was declaring that he was God. Before Abraham was, I am. Anything else? Sorry? Yes? Right? Yeah, very good. You got that? The bat that's his baptism. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Yeah, um, it, it says that he, he said, I'm able to lay down my life and able to take it again. Yeah. I mean, we can't do that. We no? Excellent. Yeah, excellent. And he... Also, he forgave sins, didn't he? The, the, the paralytic, when, when he raised the paralytic, uh, he said, what's easier, to say your sins are forgiven or take up your bed and walk? And he raised him. And uh, it was the evidence of the people around, only God can forgive sins. So there's, there's uh, another uh, reference there. Forgive, I'll ask you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he for, I mean, we can forgive sins, but he forgave sins as God. So that was absolute. He fulfilled the prophecies. The yeah, cool. yeah, very good. Okay. There was the, um, the transfiguration as well. Yes, excellent. Yeah, a, a, a foretaste of his glory that Peter, James and John were able to experience on the mountain. And they saw his glory. They saw his glory. And when Jesus prayed that we call his high priestly prayer in John 17, he said, you know, Father, you know, glorify me in your presence uh, that with the glory I had with you before the world began. So he, he very clearly understood where he'd come from and where he was going. Okay, so that's very clear. Okay, let's look at the, the last one then. Fully God and... Fully man. What's the implication of that? 
Why did he have to be fully God and fully man? Anybody leaping up for grabbing the microphone? There we go. Um, Grace? Sorry. Actually, um, like I said within my group, he's uh, fully God because he's the Almighty. And uh, I turn up everything to actually into a song, if you don't mind, which is... Um, Immortal, invisible, the holy wise God, most gracious, most holy, the ancient of this almighty. Victorious, thy great name we pray. Brilliant. Now, it's a mystery, isn't it? Being fully God and fully man, but it causes us to worship, which is what uh, Grace was doing there. Excellent. So, anybody else like to say why he had to be fully God and fully man? There's, a, there's an anonymous quote the theologians pass around, but nobody knows who came up with it first. But it was just a lot of paraphrasing. It's along the lines of, if he wasn't fully God, it would be... If, if he was only a man, it would be, he would be a bridge broken at the God end. And if he was only, uh, if he was only God... If, which way around did I get it? You know what I mean. He'd be a bridge broken <laughs> at God's end. I need yeah. a sleep. <laughs> yeah. he'd, be, he'd be broken at either end. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's right. No, it had to be a man who, who was our substitute, but it had to be a perfect man who was our substitute, right? Just as it was foreshadowed in the Old Testament with the sacrifices, the lamb had to be without spot and without blemish. Okay, and Jesus is our is our sacrifice, and He shed His sins. Uh, on the cross as a as a perfect sacrifice. Yeah. Anything else? Well, what Steve was saying was, he he was the only one who could be the true mediator between man and God. That's what it says in Timothy. Paul says in Timothy that there's only one God and one mediator between man and God the man Christ Jesus, because he could completely represent God and completely represent us. Okay? So that's why it's important. And um, I, I, I find the, the book of Hebrews uh, really wonderful in explaining to some degree or showing uh, the wonder of this God-man who was not only our sacrifice, but he was the priest as well and, and was able to offer himself once and for all. The writers of the Hebrews contrast the sacrifices of the Old Testament that had to be um, repeated over and over again because it says the blood of bulls and goats were not able uh, to cleanse uh, people from, uh, entirely from their sins. It was a ceremonial cleansing, did not cleanse people's consciences. <laughs> this, is, this is what the writer says, for since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, that's the law, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those 
who draw near. So they were only ceremonially clean so that they could continue to worship, didn't it? But it goes on. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. So he had to be a man to be, in our, to be our substitute. It's no good having a God, but yet um, he had to be God to be a perfect substitute. And uh, we, what one of the things that Paul says, that, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So God provided the sacrifice and he himself was the sacrifice, which is absolutely amazing when you think of how unworthy we are of, of such attention. And um, th again, the writer to the Hebrews says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, in other words, he came in the flesh and he, he did what he had to do as a man, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. In other words, a, a, a sincere heart is not a mixed heart. It's one that has total confidence. With our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from an e evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Well, we've only just touched on the, the truth of those things, but it's good. Thank you so much for, for making those contributions and sharing those. I wonder, Julian, could we sing one of the songs we didn't sing uh, just to close with? That would be nice, wouldn't it? Uh, let's work this. The, having considered these things, our appropriate response is to worship, okay? Not just to fill our minds with knowledge, you know. <laughs>